to the Urban Income Show, where we speak with minority CEOs, CMOs, CTOs, founders, and other executives to learn about their strategies for success. I'm your host, Laval Chichester, the CEO of Growth Skills and Urban Income. And today's episode features Rahul uh, Sabinis. Rahul is the EVP, Chief Creative Officer at iHeartMedia. Um, in his role, Rahul is tasked with inspiring creativity to every aspect of the company and helping brands connect with the vast portfolio of assets iHeartMedia has to offer. Prior to this, Raul led creativity at some of the best advertising agents, agencies in the world, and that's where I actually had the pleasure of working with him. Um, this man is extremely talented and is an amazing human being. Uh, Raul, welcome. Uh, let's get started. Well, that was a humbling opening. I'm Kind of like, wait, I don't know that guy. Can you uh, reintroduce me to him? He seems pretty cool. <laughs> uh, how do you introduce yourself to people? Um, I just say, well, professionally, I say I head up creative at iHeart for the marketing side of the family. Um, personally, I go, I'm a New Yorker. Uh, I'm Indian. Uh, then the next question often comes, were you born in India? And then I say, no, I was born in D.C., but uh, Indian by heritage, first generation. So no, nothing easy on that question because there's so many layers to it, of course, for all exactly. of us. Exactly. And you came up in, in advertising and advertising mm -hmm. is not a, a fun place in general. Like it is a fun place, but like working working in ad land is extremely, can be taxing. I almost died. And I, I, I don't know if you even know that story. That's why I left ad land. And I'll tell you about that. But um, I was also one of the only black people around, and, and I'm pretty sure that you, I don't know if you had that experience. So how was it coming up throughout advertising? I knew very early in my life that I was supposed to be in advertising. Hmm. I love the, the ability to create a culture around an idea was yeah. always something that I was actually pretty good at. Even like my mind worked in that way, telling that yeah. kind of story. I was lucky to get my first job off of, I was at Cornell and I got my job off of a person who knew someone and I became an art director and I was right in there and it was, I was lucky. My book wasn't that good. I didn't, and my, to, to quote, um, my parents, my father specifically, they're both first generation, like I'm first generation born in, in, in America, but my parents are, came from India. Mm -hmm. And when I told my father, I had started as an engineer at Cornell, computer science. And one day I realized I was terrible at it. And no, I mean, I was terrible at it, but a C minus Cornell engineer is just fine in the world, yeah, yeah. but it was a miserable life and it was painful. And so when I told my father, I was like, I think I want to go into advertising and communications. I think that's where I'm supposed to be. It was always a passion for me. I'd always self-taught myself design, things like that. He said very graciously and understand, like it, you could, from his perspective, he was like, look, Rahul, like I won't, I have no connections into this world. So you better be great. And I go, right. dad, I'll be good. He goes, no, 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 no. You better be great because being good isn't going to cut it for you. Right. Because he, you know, he's, he suffered a lot of prejudices and candidly from both sides of the, you know, the worlds, both black and white being Indian. You know, when you first come into sixties, you're going to get, get hit from different angles. And, for sure. and so, I mean, this, that world fortunately is not the same, the world we live in today. Mm -hmm. So going back to advertising, yeah, for the longest time, I have always been the only Indian person in the room. All the stereotypes, like, and because I was never taught how to speak ad-ness, mm -hmm. uh, I used to get told things like, you sound strategic. Maybe you're more like, you know, maybe you're more of an analytical mind. You know, it was all very couched in science versus art. Yeah. Even now, probably deep down, I have insecurities that I've resolved for the most part about how creative I am. But man, like there's, if you ask, you know, there's, when you get told your entire life that you're not creative, but you're actually, you're very, you're too smart to be creative. You know, those kind of, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. but you know what, in the grand yeah. scheme of stereotypes, screw it. Like I, I have no problem with that. And I guess I'm here having the last laugh. So what can I say? No, that's incredible. And what I really, what I really liked about you when, you know, I, what I, I, I did six years uh, at Profero 
And um, I, in that ex experience, I was able to see other creative directors and had a head of creatives. And it was very refreshing when you came in because I saw my first experience was like the, the other type of, of director who like literally just treated their creative teams like poo-poo, like shit. And, like slaves. And like really, yeah. yeah. I mean, and it was bad. And I was so shocked and appalled. And I remember, I remember, the kid's name is Brandon. I remember coming into the office and we had to, we had to do some work for a pitch. And I'm obviously not going to call out who, who the head of creative was at this time, but I'm in there and we're doing this work. It's a Saturday, whatever. And this kid was like brand new. He's maybe he was a coordinator, like, like junior, junior level. And they have him doing all this stuff. And I knock my work out. Like I knocked the search stuff out. Blah, 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 yeah, blah. of course. And then I see him there and no one had like talked to him. So they made him wait all day until every, and then they had him start designing versus like helping him, like feeding it to him. So his day was, was crazy. After that all happened, I just buy him a bottle. I was like, yo, what do you like? So I just bought him a, a bottle of Jameson to say thank you. And he was just like, years later, he was like, he cornered me. He was like, Laval. That was the nicest thing anyone has ever done to me because and then he told me how much like how terrible they treated him that yep. way. His yep. boss didn't give like no one da, 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 da. and he was like that was my, that and you were my introduction. And he was like thank you because I, I I didn't know if I wanted to still work in here and, and you know I thought like everyone was like that and and I see it time and time again like they just destroy their their talent. So thank you for not doing that. <laughs> well. I modeled my leadership style. So by the way, my major in, in at Cornell ended up being small group dynamics and mm -hmm. leadership, oddly enough. And I'm self-taught in design. And I never had a mentor and I never had anyone show me the ropes. In retrospect, I think in many ways that is my advantage mm -hmm. okay. because I don't operate in the forms that are taught in at least were taught in advertising. Right. Like you got to be the biggest swinging dick in the room all the time. Mm -hmm. You got to go like, you know, the, the, the concept of a chief creative officer in traditional advertising used to be, I'm not, I'm, I'm sure it's not like this anymore. It's, I hope, um, you have to go win business. Mm -hmm. You have to win awards and you have to basically rotate your teams and stand on their shoulders to like, basically, if an idea doesn't work, it's their fault, never your fault. Wow. Okay. And so like, that's how I, that's what I experienced. Mm -hmm. So it was, instead of being a pure, like there, it was a pyramid. Now I was like, I promised myself very early in my career, I would do this the other way. Like this. I'm at the bottom of the pyramid. I'm because the experience crossed with talent should mean you have the widest shoulders. You should be right. able to hold the most up. So when everyone's having a bad day, you can't, you can bring the energy. And I've said in the past that, you know, one of the things that I've always aimed for is you can either be the brightest light or the darkest, longest shadow. You know what I mean? Like if you are that type of person and I've always believed that it's my responsibility to the brightest light, because right. in doing so you can affect so many people. I, there, I, I remember once, in one, one job experience, it was really funny. Like for the longest time, people always wanted to be, be, me to be something else but a creative. I got that a lot, especially as I got senior and more and more senior. And this one CEO finally took me out for a drink and he's like, listen, we have a plan for you. I'm like, okay. Not that I was looking for a plan, but he decided he needed a plan for me. Yeah. And I go, what is it? He goes, we want to make you our chief integration. No, it wasn't chief. It was executive. No, God, it was like head of integration. Uh -huh. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, and it was a time when, to be fair, digital and uh, traditional advertising models were starting to blend. Right. And I understood the idea of it, and, but I couldn't really figure out why he was asking me. Mm -hmm. He came to me in this, after in, in this conversation. So he said, I, and I said to him, well, what happens when we have integrated? Am I out of a job? He goes, that'll never happen. And I go, mm, yeah, no, I <laughs> The difference is I'm already integrated. I oh. operate an integrated person. To make a company operate that way, you, I could just be that person. And then he was really candid, meaning like a chief or an ECD in that time. Mm -hmm. He wasn't ready to give me that thing. He goes, you know, Rahul, 
let me be really frank. I think you're kind of weird to a lot of us in the sense or odd because you seem to care about everything, not just the creative. And I go, yeah. I don't understand. And he goes, well, you care about media. You care about the relationship with the client. You care about project management. You care about, and, and, and he kept going through it. Creatives aren't supposed to care about all that. You just have your job to do. And I said, and it just hit me like, boom. I'm like, oh my God, you are right. But you're asking the wrong question. He was like, what do you mean? And I go, the problem isn't, why am I not worrying just about creative? The question is, why aren't you surrounding me with people that are better at me than me in those jobs? Mm-hmm. You, everyone touches my creative, our creative. And the only way it works is if everyone is held to the same standard I hold myself to. And if they're not going to do that, then I'm going to get involved in everyone's business right. because it's our creative. It's that's all we have. It's the end of the product. You remember when I joined Prefero, like I was like, uh, I, I was like media to me and creative is the same thing because without those two working together, we got nothing like it, 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 these, we have to be one family. Otherwise yeah, it doesn't work. Absolutely. And, and, and to, to, to that point, you were, you were the first person, I think the first person, I think, on the creative side who was in a leadership position who came to me and, and, and when we first met, you were like, oh, you do search? Boom, let's talk. And da, 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 da. and you, because I was, in my experience being advertising, I was sort of, my creativity was suppressed because I did SEO. I did search engine optimization, which is this technical thing. And everyone's like, yo, just give me keywords. You don't know anything creative. Even though my background was video production, I, I went to school for writing. I'm creative writing, Brooklyn College. So I wanted to be a novelist. And I and Peter and I, uh, the producer, we ran our own video production company. And we had clients like Coca-Cola and all this before I even got into advertising, right? Of course. So you, But you're the only person like, oh, there's so much data in search. Let's make amazing thing and i was thank you i was like yes that's it like and and you also acknowledge that this beautiful thing that we're creating and putting on 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 the internet on the website needs to be found why wouldn't we have seo be part of it and when like my entire career like i was just being suppressed right my creative side was being suppressed because i was not on the creative team which is just absolutely backwards and what's good now is like when you look at the 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 marketers who thrive now they're all like like really talented in the in the in the the feet the the like the thing that they're good at let's call it t-shaped i think is what they call it that's right and they know the other disciplines they know how it works together you have to be right now you have to be that that level because you're gonna fucking fail because of how quick the pace of technology is changing um yeah, embracing new things like AI. You have to be like that in order to take on AI, you know? One of the great things about Cornell Engineering is you were humbled very quickly there. Hmm. You think about, you're talking about the smartest people, at least in the New York tri-state area kind of thing, because mm-hmm. a, a lot of them get scholarships to go to Cornell, things like that. So you're dealing with people who are out hustle. You know, the first day they say, look to your left, look to your right. Neither one of those people are going to be here. That's how hard it was. Hmm. But it also humbles you in the sense of every day you have to you have to get rid of the ego of thinking you have the answer every day. There are times when you have the answer, but that doesn't mean the answer is always going to be your answer. I have this belief, like I tell you, you may have heard this when I talk to like my teams or our teams, if you think about it as a family. I used to say, it doesn't have to be a, my idea. It just has to be a great one. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not here to piss on your work. I'm not, that's not my job. In fact, quite the opposite. What I'm trying to do is figure out what in your work can we find to make it the best version of it. Right. And in doing so, then, you know, like that's like there were times when it was uncomfortable for me to even wear the title of a ECD or a chief creative officer because I felt like it wasn't my, it wasn't mine. It is ours. Mm-hmm. 
And so, because I think the philosophy that I try to do is create a culture and then let, like, it's almost like a garden, right? Like you create, right. the soil is furtive enough that when people are fertile enough that when ideas can grow, because if you do it and you're just like, it's my idea, what ends up happening is you're only as good as that one person and you're never going to create a philosophy that everyone kind of gets inspired by and then right. essentially shares that philosophy where they go out. My job is to infect them with this idea that we together can make better creative. Again, maybe that's an Indian minority thing, probably baked in. Maybe it's the fact that I went to a Montessori school for my entire life when, you know, my um, high school and, you know, from two years old to 12th grade, I went to one school. It was all very Montessori and nurturing and we're a family together. Like we have to yeah. always think as a team. Um, I, you know, you never know how the soup's made when it comes to human beings, but those pieces all kind of add up to be that put you in whatever frame you are. So, yeah, I, I yeah. And I think those types of team structures work. Even if you, if you look at like extreme combat situations, it's team, everyone's good at what they do. But it's team that makes that whole thing work, extreme communications, all of that. If you look at nature, same thing. Ants, every every ant is good at what they do, but that's a whole unit that works and communicates together and they take care of each other. And you see it all the time in business. And and you know, that's amazing. So you 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 came through advertising, um, you made this transition to to, to iHeart, and when when you came down to speak on, on Nashville at Nashville, I think that was 2019, um, pre-pandemic, maybe, yep. maybe no pre-pandemic, definitely pre-pandemic. 19, you talked about audio on the stage, right? Mm -hmm. Boom, and I think like half the room didn't get it, right? But now I think like podcasts have take, taken over. Everyone, I could throw a rock and hit someone, and they got a podcast, <laughs> you know, like, right outside. The, you know what I mean? Oh, I'm sure half like, the people audio, didn't get it. They probably are like going, remember when that guy on stage said that? Oh, now I get it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like you, like just thinking back and there's a bunch of amazing people on that stage. You had Rand mm -hmm. Fishkin who, who, who spoke and you were just, you and what you were saying was beautiful and it was, it was amazing. But I knew that these people won't, I just knew it's ahead of its time. Like you're living in the future basically is, is the only way I could explain it. And, um, and now those things are coming, it, it, like you see it everywhere, they're coming to fruition. So what I'm curious about is like, how is audio, so you got to iHeart. So mm -hmm. what was the challenge that you faced in like explaining the power of audio to pe people? And has that changed now? Uh, I'm pretty sure adoption has increased. So a lot to, a lot to unpack there. The, the first, ver first thing is, one of the reasons audio has always has had an interesting hurdle to get over mm -hmm. is people think of used to at least think of audio as one thing, radio. Radio, yeah. Now the cool thing about radio though is radio is actually a philosophy, not um, an object. It's a style of communication. In fact, podcasting owes its roots to radio and the um, it kind of talk radio and the informality. Yeah. This, when you think of podcasting, we think of what we're doing right now. Exactly. It's kind of loose conversation, unscripted that keeps us connected together to each other in a very almost human, like most, the most human way, which is just conversation. Right. But we are so in our own world when it comes to our visual biases. We see things and think that, like, if we don't see it, does it really exist kind of thing? Like, but. Right. So what I've learned over the years, and then we'll get back to the second part of the question, which is, is it easier now? But what makes audio super special? What I didn't even know then when I was on stage now four years ago and how much I've learned over the years. Audio is fundamentally the most um, engaging channel for a very simple reason. The listener, the people who are listening right now, are creating the context for what I'm talking about. It is the only thing, only campaign vehicle where the listener creates the context for your ideas. Hmm. So like I often go on and meet with both clients and brands and I say to them, I'm going to say a simple word like home. Now your home and my home 
you're both ima- we're both imagining our homes. Mm-hmm. But when we have to go decide what that home is for a commercial, we're going to debate that. We're going to argue how big should the TV be? Uh, what kind of sofas should we have? Does the, is there a dog in the room? But what makes audio special is that listener just makes all those decisions. Oh, wow. Yeah. Think about it. Just big thinking there for a second. Like oftentimes like podcasts or radio, you don't even see the face of that person, but you have conjured up in your mind in the context of maybe a voice you've heard before. I bet you he looks a little bit like this. And then you see him, you're like, oh, I didn't think he'd look like that. But that's because... Audio has this incredible inclusive, inclusive quality yeah. because that listener creates it. So that's where we're, we're so used to having people push an image on, onto yeah. people. That's what makes important. audio, the opposite is the listener is actually a partner in that conversation, in that development of the idea. So the first thing is we've started to, Podcasting has singularly transformed that bias. The weakness, though, is that people think podcasting is all audio is. Right, right, right. Yeah. In reality, radio dwarf. The reason our iHeart, we are like iHeart Podcasts, our podcast division, mm-hmm. is the the number one podcaster in the, like the world, at least in America, if not the world. Mm-hmm. We have so many podcasts, and there's a reason for it. I mean, like we just recently added someone as amazing as Jay Shetty has a podcast with us for like mental wellness. Mm-hmm. The thing, the reason we, we actually grew that business. We bought, um, stuff media, like how stuff works, that group. Yeah. 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 In just five years on the power of audio, we went, it, it was like, you know, like a small $50 million little division. It's now a massive, um, part of our, in fact, it's its own practice such that it actually starts to rival our radio side, but it was wow. built on the radio business. For sure. Our app that we have was built on the radio business, which is a megaphone that talks to real America every day. Mm-hmm. And so the biggest miss still that marketers don't understand is that nine out of 10 Americans listen to the radio every day. Yeah. Just Wait a minute for a second. Like nine out of 10, Isn't 90% of America listens to the radio in some form. It touches people that much. You may not even realize it. You're in a Uber or whatever. But mm-hmm. the fact that you know the latest Dua Lipa song isn't because you're listening for a playlist. Like it's a discovery mechanism that helps us stay connected with the world. Right. And so the more and what marketers are starting to wake up to as the TV and video landscape is getting more and more fractured, whether it's TikTok over here or, hey, I'm going to buy my uh, basketball live here. Like it's so much more fractured and distributed. Audio has agility and reach that frankly video can't. And also it's probably, it is easily the last bastion of broadcast listening that you can have. At one at a time, like at, at broad scale, because it's live and unscripted. In the same right. way, we, you know, watch a basketball game last night, and we're all like, "Oh, that was horrible to watch." If you are into basketball, <laughs> for those of you guys who watch the semis, um, <laughs> but it is, it is, uh, it's it it is transformative in the sense of marketers are starting to realize that there is more they can do with the channel than they've ever been. They but even like, like when you when you just think about that too, like even with dance, right? Huge on TikTok, huge, huge everywhere. Music, audio affects dance. So without without that, you know, and that goes into yep. you know commercials and jingles and those types of things that are super powerful. Like uh, you know, there's so much so much of that. Um, have what from a like even like the you've got mail, like stuff like that. Like yeah, what there you device, go. Have you seen brands using that more and more and more? Like what does your brand sound like? You know what I mean? So I, again, in this, the, the thing that is fascinating is how much, what, what you're describing is sonic branding, mm-hmm. audio mnemonics and an aural landscape. There are so many sounds like, Companies are waking up like the, so the, the place that I always like to, and I, I go back to my advertising, um, 
advertising days or more like the agency days. The knife fight in creativity happens in the insurance space. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like if you really oh, want to know where the yeah. hardest creative, but where they make their like really you, you you really have to cut at each other. It's like street level fighting. Yeah. It's in insurance because it is a long tail of decision, right? Like you have to basically you'll probably hear the same brand repeated like 18, 20 yeah. times. It has to be top of mind, and it is a singular moment of decision. Yeah. Because once you pick your insurance company, you'll live with it for the rest That's of your life. That's, That's it. it. Yeah. You're done. You'll use it. And, you know, be like, you know, State Farm's my thing or Progressive is my thing. And you'll, it, it'll diversify, but you'll do it. And that decision moment is the life's value of that one customer yeah. in that moment. So they've got a breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm just going to go through a couple of brands and you'll kind of get what I'm saying. State mm-hmm. Farm, do you know what that sounds like? Is on your side? Is that State Farm? Dun, 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 dun. Like that kind of thing? I'll give you another one. Liberty Mutual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Farmers Insurance. No. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, yeah. No, you're... Go on I, and I, on. I and it. It's like... And what's funny is I think Geico set the bar high. Ah, right? And then, but, then you started seeing people... And you correct me if I'm wrong. Then I... Because I pay attention to this too, but not to the audio ear that you have. Sure. But watching that, I saw then Liberty stepped the game up. Far, farmers started being created. They all, even um, what are these guys? Mayhem, like yo, like mayhem, like they, you know, they had to, they really had to go hard. Yeah, that is definitely a knife fight. So, so in the audio space, Geico actually has a mnemonic. Mm-hmm. Fifteen minutes will save you fifteen percent on your car insurance. Right. You can say it and it just rolls yeah. off your tongue. They they branded one thing and they hammered at the end of every spot. Yeah. They don't have a they don't have a sonic brand like we are farmers. You know, they don't have that. They have a, a frankly a conversion uh tagline mm-hmm. that is very much what their principle is. Fifteen minutes will save you fifteen percent is their whole yeah. kind of like focus. Yeah, and it's memorable. And no and it's memorable, and they have drilled and spend easily billions at this point dollars to get that in your head. So other brands are definitely using it, whether it's, um, um, that's state farm. Sorry. So, um, McDonald's, I think the new WAP, um, new Burger King, um, BK have it your way, you know, you rule. So they're they're, sorry. I'm like singing now for you. I apologize. (laughs) Um, but yeah, brands are recognizing that they can amplify the power of their video or their visual medium by grounding it with a sonic tickle in the brain so that it great creates bigger or a deeper connection to the brand and also better recall. Mm-hmm. And so let's go to the metaverse and N- NFTs. Mm-hmm. You're doing a lot of work there. Is it that you're using sound in this new immersive experience? Like, oh, yeah. that, and then after that, we could go to AI because I'm really curious about AI. So let's go metaverse first. We decided about a year and a half ago that we were going to get into the metaverse. And anyone who defines the metaverse is lying to you because there's no such thing as a defined place. There's no, right. I'm going to the metaverse. Yeah. But the metaverse is philosophically is a chance for us to interact with each other um, in a virtual setting. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, I actually think Teams and Zoom are kind of metaverses, except it's not an avatar. It's actually our video things. But you can see right. that actually progressing. But when we decided a year half to do it, we decided we were going to call this thing iHeartland. And mm-hmm. we looked for, sorry, I should go actually a step backwards. Our mission at iHeart isn't, an, isn't just about audio. It's actually, we have a higher purpose. Our purpose mm-hmm. is to give America a friend anytime, anywhere. Mm. Okay. You're like, okay, well, what does that have to do with audio? Well, if you think about why a person turns on the radio, they don't listen to it for the music. Yeah. They actually listen to it, stay connected with people, to hear yeah. that you know, what it was formerly called a DJ, what we now call personality, uh, personalities, audio influencers, hosts, they are, um, they very much are your best friends who are sitting next to you when you're driving in the car, et cetera. So when we were going to go make iHeartland, there were two ways to go. One, we could kind of home grow in uh, something in Decentraland and then use our power of radio to throw everyone in there. Or we could look for places where people, the next generation of people were or like our listeners are and fans are and then build an island there so we did it in Fortnite and roblox so we've have two kind of iheartlands 
But why did we do it? To your initial question is, why would you do that? You're a sound company in audio. Are you playing with audio? We wanted to, we also do events. We also do a lot of things. iHeart isn't just an audio company. We are, that's our kind of reason to be. But ultimately, we try to bring people together. And when we realized the metaverse was a place where people can get closer to the artists they love or our personalities, we decided we wanted to create our island there, put plant our flag. And so we programmed to it constantly. When, you know, when we launched, it was Charlie Puth. We've had so many other artists that have like come through there in the, since then. I can't just rattle them off the top of my head. Yeah. My teams will kill me that I don't actually have that list. <laughs> but we have a concert every other week in iHeartland. Mm. Just think about that. Most people make a thing, yeah. whether it's in Roblox or Fortnite. I, I guarantee you brands have abandoned their like metaverse experiences. We never went for that. We didn't want to do like one big Fortnite takeover and call it a day. When you put on a radio show every day, when you put on a podcast every week, you have you think in long you like about programming something. You're trying to build, you know, we have the Black Information Network. We launched that in 2000, you know, during the pandemic. And we're three years in and it has become like the number one trusted source of um, information to the black community. Hmm. AM and FM radio. We did that not because we cared about year one and our partners are like um, founding partners, all these brands that we work with. We did it because we wanted to build something of substance and know that we have to program it again and again to build that relationship. So for us- And you're building assets, right? That's what correct. you're doing. You're building assets that will accrue value in time. Right? That's right. And you, know, you have to. With a specific also, audience too, right? Which is, which is it, huge. It was surprising to us it wasn't the, the, the president of the uh, black information network is a, a, a person who I consider a friend, which you know how, like it, when I say that, what it means is a gentleman mm-hmm. named Tony Coles. He's just one of the best people in the world. And he and I became close as we launched it. We literally, I mean, they're not, we, it was like a lot of people who launched it, but we launched, he had already had this plan waiting. He realized mm-hmm. that there was a, an opportunity to essentially bring black reporters together to report on the black existence with a black perspective and, and report mm-hmm. back. If you ever get a chance, you should listen to the Black Information Network podcast. Well, I absolutely will. It's awesome. I listen to it because I like, honestly, the, the perspective of news that I fr- find mainstream news gives you a, a very different angle. But going back to the metaverse, so anyways, do it because it's awesome. Um, but the reason we did the metaverse and why we started iHeartland was to find a find new and innovative ways to connect with our audiences, which now you want to go to AI, which is the next step. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious. What, yeah, go ahead. AI is, for me, I love AI. Okay. And I'm going to explain why. And I'm also terribly afraid of it. So, mm-hmm. and I'm going to talk to you. I think of all things as a tool. And when a tool, whether it is a gun or it's AI, mm-hmm. whether it's, it's, it's about the knowledge of, or it's a, it's a two ton car that's, mm-hmm. just, that you're driving down a highway, which is just vehicular homicide waiting to happen. If not, if you don't know how to use it, you have to know deep down how to use the tool in a way that enhances your life and doesn't detract from it. The problem with AI, I'm going to start with the negatives and then we'll get to the positives. Mm-hmm. I was recently on stage in Nashville. We had, there was a big country summit and I was speaking there and they asked, this was, it was a, a tech panel at the, um, essentially the, a country music, music summit. Mm-hmm. And I was there and they asked, what is your philosophy on it? And I go, let me explain the concern I have about AI at its current form. It is an aggregator of everything that is out there, skimmed and then collated and then regurgitated back based on th- patterns. That's what, sure. what generative AI is in the sure. dumbest version of it. You, 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 you understand that. The problem is, is the source material unbiased? Right. And the answer is no, it isn't. And so that means the answers that we are all going to accept mm-hmm. are not. And I, and after I also posted on LinkedIn this, kind of realization or the fear that I have that we are giving up, not control isn't the word, like we are 
critical thinking. Mm-hmm. So like you're in search, so you or you remember search. Even before it used to be you, Yahoo had a directory and you had, you had a decision what you were going to look for. You yeah. went and kind of hunked it, tucked and you went down the directory. It was a, mm-hmm. like a phone book type of thinking. Then Google came along and all you have to do is put in a string and then it gives you answers. So already we gave up the curation between two choices. We just had links and the links became important. But then it was predictive, um, uh, predictive uh, scripting kind of thing. And so like yeah. or you basically, it was interacting with you to try to form your question for you, which then could also bias you and take you down a different path. All these things added up to now imagine what AI does when we, whether it's Bing or we use chat GPT or whatever it's going to be in the future. Mm-hmm. It just gives you an answer. No, and I think you're 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 a thousand percent right with that. And Google had had a lot of um a lot of problems with this, right? And and you know, I wrote for Adweek, I wrote basically advice on how search engines and social platforms could fight hate speech on the internet, right? And I want to show you this. And you know, mm-hmm. at Growth Skills, we believe in using our and we're re- we're rebuilding this our skills for good. So a long time ago, can you see my screen? Not yet. Oh, yes, I can. Now I can. So we built this site, spreadlove.org, as an anonymous widget to spread hope and inspiration on the internet, right? So mm-hmm. if I have your email, I can send you a note, a kind note of, to, to make sure you're doing okay and all that, right? But because a white supremacist basically did a search on Google and found false information, he shot up, a, and this guy, I'm not going to say his name, but he shot up a, and murdered a bunch of people in a black church. So what we're doing now is we're using the site to answer these questions, right? Are women evil? And the answer for a lot of these, the top 10 results on Google are still, yes, women are evil and all of that, right? So what we're doing is we're using our skills search, right? And we turn this into an official nonprofit organization to fight back because we know Google's AI in particular, um, the the search experience, it's going to pull from this stuff. It's going to pull. The from... crawlers are going to push that to the top. Because... Exactly. So, so the thing is, if there is not a positive answer to these questions, what yeah. will win, like exactly what you said, what will win is what's out there. And what's out there is like juicery, like, you know, black people are bad and women are. And, and so we are using our skills to, to, to feed not only Google, but the other, you know, all that algorithm, like good stuff, right? Hope, inspiration, because like, you know, yeah. it's 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 super important. And I, I love that you said that. Um, what do you... But the the, on the, thing I wanna, on the I positive go, side, just to say, what I do love about AI, I remember I shared it with one of my, my lead uh, copy. She's a creative director of copy. And I showed her ChatGPT the first day. Her reaction was, am I out of a job? and i said no you're out of the bad parts of your job right the boring parts of your job and the get the 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 blank page that scares you part of your job Mm -hmm. what you now have is a tool that harnessed properly can be incredibly can skip you past some of the boring parts of your job right the analogy that we've i've heard from our ceo Bob Pittman at iHeart, that he heard from, I, I, I can't quote where he found it from, but I, I like this philosophically, which is back in the day, a factory, let's, let's, call it a, let, let's call it an Amazon factory, right? Where they're moving package from A to B was manual labor. Person picked, 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 put in a thing, you yeah, pull it, right. you know, maybe there was a thing motorized that you drive it to another thing, you put it, put it, put it, put it. Now you have fewer manual laborer people doing that and you have essentially automation and people programming those robots. Right. Of course, the philosophical question then comes, what happened to those people, right? right? And who's retraining them? And so we are, it's amazing because I don't know how much humanity can take right now because we just went through the pandemic. (laughs) We had what I consider an important conversation, cultural conversation about the black existence in our country. Mm -hmm. I don't care about your political leanings, anyone. Is but Trump basically challenged what it takes to be a president. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you agree or disagree with him from policy, 
Mm-hmm. I'll be just not actually doing the job, like literally physically going, I think this is an important thing and I'm going to wake up at six in the morning and I'm going to go to sleep at 11 and I'm, you know, we've gone through some stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we've gone even Phyllis, like, and then we have a war in Ukraine and like, it's yeah. just, and now someone drops this thing called AI, which will, yeah. is essentially going to transform life as we know it in every aspect of our lives. Like it's, it will forever be changed in the same way the internet changed it. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the pandemic changed the definition of what an office is going to be for the rest of our lives. Absolutely. I think there will be an office. We like, especially when you're younger, you need an office. You, because that is a, that's where your best relationships start in an office when you're For young, sure. right? Like that's where For you get sure. to be, you gotta, yeah. like you didn't have friends. Yeah. You met your friends through this social thing yeah. called work. And, mm-hmm. and without that, we're going to be in a lot of trouble long term. Yeah. AI is, is singularly changing and transforming the way we are going to look at the world around us without having augmentation. And I'm actually strangely excited about that. I am frightened with, I am, I, let me try it this way. I just have, my hope springs eternal. You know me as a very positive person. Yeah. It is easy to go down dark holes when it comes to things like that and think of the worst versions of us. And that's why I don't listen to the news much and I don't read, like news is actually set up when you turn on the evening news to Report on the point zero 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 one percent of the correct. Like, the fact that they teach you that in journalism, what bleed leads, leads is that's what that's the core principle. Like this crazy man, yeah, for sure. So what are we doing? But it's, but it's also like human existence. We believe maybe it's Schadenfreude, maybe it's that we look for the negative so that we feel more alive. I don't know. I yeah. I'm not a philosopher that way, but I, I that's why I just don't watch the news. In fact, I watch a lot of like, as dumb as it is, cooking shows mm-hmm. and like, God bless like HGTV and like the yeah, Food yeah, Network. Yeah, it is sure. the it's right altitude. Game. Yeah. And then it's you just can like, make it, dishes. Yeah, I feel better. I'm like watching like Top Chef and they're exactly. like making stuff out of nothing. And I feel better about my life. Like, I think that's why the British baking show did so well mm-hmm. during the pandemic because we were all so miserable. And here's this yeah. like light fluffy, unemotional thing. It even takes me a lot to watch a movie these days. It's like, am I going to commit this kind of thing? But I think these are some of the offshoots of what we're doing. And I think when it comes to AI, I think we're going to come, it's all going to come back around. Yeah. It's just, we haven't figured it out yet. And yeah. I want to, I want to two points just to summarize this section, right? One on the AI point, what what Raul was saying is absolutely right. Like AI won't replace you. The person who knows how to use AI will, right? So get up there and it's, and and like, there's so many free resources online to learn how to prompt into engineer, how to do all these things. Just get after it and learn how to use AI. Right. Even though what we like to say is like get paid to learn a new job, like go apply to jobs like AI companies are hiring. Go get in there. Go be in turn, like get in there and apply for those jobs and and you'll be all right. Just pay attention. Learn how to use AI. So sorry, I'm going to interrupt. First thing to do with chat, like go to chat GPT, use the free version and say, how do I learn how to use chat GPT? (laughs) There you go. Give me a 30, 15 day plan. It'll mm-hmm. give you back what you need to do every day to learn how to use it. Yeah. What? Like, that's how simple, like, just that little weird phil- philosophical flip, you know, can help. You just start. You know, I think what I'll do is I'm going to run that search. I'm going to literally go in and do that to show people how easy it is. Because, <laughs> like, that's, that's good. And so we'll drop that as you speak. My father loves it. My father is a um, forever, um, he's a thinker mm-hmm. and always has ideas. And one of my favorite things, I think, Dad, wait till you see ChatGPT and you learn to use it. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, you'll be able to write marketing plans. Or, you know, when you have that idea, mm-hmm. ask it and then keep asking it until you get your, and then he'll, it'll write an executive summary. And now he's like, every day, he loves it. it. My dad's like 80 plus, 80 plus, And he's like 83 or 84 now, something like that. But with a mind of like that, I, that I can't keep up with. And 
ChatGPT is like the best thing that ever happened to him. He just, I'm sure he just wishes he had it 40 years ago. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. That, so. That's the amazing thing. That's amazing. The other thing I wanted to point out, because I don't want to blow past this, yeah. is what iHeart is doing right now, and, and it's similar to what Growth Skills does. You have a company, you're trying to grow in 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 this world, right? And it's very difficult right now to close a deal, everything that's happening. What iHeart is doing is they build assets, they grow those assets, and then they monetize the assets. That's basically what growth skills does, right? We have mm-hmm. urban income, we're growing it, eventually we'll monetize it. We have, but we're building a c- connection to a direct audience. We have flavor fix, which is the same thing. And we just showed you spread love, right? So don't, like when you're thinking about your company, you don't always have to go on the Facebook, on Twitter, on all those things. Those channels you actually don't own, right? Like Facebook could shut down your account, Twitter could shut down your account, but if you're building an asset like an app, like a, a website, like those, an email list, those types of things, you can monetize that. Just be specific with the intention. Be specific with who you're, who is it for, what problem you're solving. So I just wanted to make sure that they got clarity on, on those points. Yeah, it, that's, that's really important. It's interesting. If a person likes your content, they're going to want it in any way, shape, or form you can give it. Exactly. And that relationship that you have with your listeners, your fans, your subscribers that you built is of value to others. Absolutely. Um, what uh, What are some ways you've made money on the side growing up in your career? Oh, I, I used to be a freelance designer for many years. I actually started my first company at 25. Oh, wow. Um, so I, it was a company called New Mantra. This was during the dot-com crazy time. Where everyone was just throwing money at people to just get stuff done, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. So around, let's call this 1998, and I was already working in with other at a, at a design firm, and um, I was doing freelance on the side. And it got to a point where I just gave up on that job, did freelance instead, and then I realized I had so much work; it was becoming. I was never sleeping. So I would like have an idea. I'd wake up at two in the morning. I'd work because it was like there was no. So I had to create some separation of church and state. And at a certain point, like 20, by the way, at 25, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Let's be fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, but it helped me understand a couple. So I just did it because there was the money was flowing and I had a team of about six. We were billing it around like a million mm-hmm. at, at 25. That's a lot. You know what uh, I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And so, and I was paying people salaries and all of a sudden, I was, by the way, the sad part about it is I stopped getting to do what I love to do. And what I, there were a couple of lessons I learned. One, that you must surround yourself with people that do what you don't do mm-hmm. and don't want to do. Like partner with people who are as smart as you are and what you do are really great at what they are. All and right. in doing so, what ends up happening is you actually open up all kinds of positive, it becomes one plus one equals seven real mm-hmm. fast. But if you try to do it alone, it doesn't work. This is a, it's a, it's a team sport, all of it. Team and sport. I probably failed miserably because of it, because I didn't, wasn't able to kind of wrap my brain around that I needed to work with others. So, but I'm 25. What the hell did I know? You know? No, what? I mean, you got, you got to go through that too. Like I, we, Peter and I went through a very similar experience, man. Where you have Peter. So there you go. Like the two of you together. I'm sure that team. Right. And best. look, 20 years later, we're still business partners getting stuff done. Right. So it's, it's, um, it's important. And his skill sets are very different from mine. So, you know, it, it all works. That's incredible. What do you, what do you wish you did with, with your money sooner? Hmm. From an investment standpoint. I, I, you know what I wish I'd done earlier was buy property earlier. Hmm. Um, there, you know, I was, I was, I'm fortunate enough to be come from a family who actually thought long term, and they were like, they were, they wanted me to, they wanted to actually help me buy a, an apartment here in New York when I was younger, and I was like, Dad, I don't even know what my future is. I can't do that kind of stuff. If you are fortunate, like owning property, is the best investment you can do. Mm-hmm. The second piece is, I wish I didn't waste as much. I think that when you are younger, you you want the newest and the shiniest and the coolest and the ist kind of thing. Yeah. And you realize very quickly, there is no est. You should get something that works for you. You know, like, oh, this, this brand works. I don't need 20 of these. I need three yeah. of these. You know, like cutting back on the junk. 
I would have done sooner. Um, and I would have not. And I, I think, yeah, I think that's it. The rest of it, I did spend money on um, experiences in good ways. Like mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't deprive myself of those things. And I think that is important. Don't, especially in your twenties, live because you won't get those years back while you can. And you want to use those years to really kind of experience to define who you are and you don't know who you are yet. So you might as well let the experiences kind of shape the person you will become one day. That's amazing. Um, What's the nicest thing anyone has ever done for you? You know, that's a, I won't name names here because it's, it's kind of, it's really humbling. When I was working at Havas, I was, um, before I became the ECD of digital, I was a CD mm-hmm. and, um, well, I'm, I'm probably saying things out of turn here, but it's fine. So it, there was this, I was amongst, I was amongst three other uh, uh, creative directors and there was a point in time where our boss, who I had a really good relationship with, basically was on his way out, so mm-hmm. to speak. And I didn't know this, but unbeknownst to me, they had gone to the CEO and said, we want Rahul to be our boss. I was like, what? <laughs> and my CEO told me, he's like, look, Rahul, we're going to make you, we're going to make you the ECD. And I was like, well, why are we doing that? Like they all voted you in unbeknownst to me behind, like literally behind my back in a good way. And so it was time for me to, I remember, I, I remember when I like came home, talked to Anne, we were, you know, we were, I think I was engaged at that time, or at least we were together, we'd been together for a while. And I was like, I don't even know what I did to do, deserve something that amazing. And she was just like, it, it's, it's, it's a hell of a vote of confidence in your ability to lead. Right. So it was a time for me to move into that office. And like, we had all sat like four tables next to each other. And then the ECD had his own office and it was connected. And he sat at like a, like a, he had his own desk and he said, okay, well, Rahul, it's time for you to move over there. And I said, no, I stay here. And they go, what do we, we need to give up like that room then if you're not going to take it. Go, oh, I'm taking the room, but I'm taking it for all of us. That room is now the exec, it is the creative director's like room. That's going to forever be our room. And which means every decision, we're going to talk about it together and I'll make the call for sure but it will be ours collectively. Right. And so I just felt like I always wanted to pay that forward. Never not like take what was one of the most generous gestures anyone has ever done for me professionally and not flip that around and make it our victory and our collective responsibility. Like I'll take the responsibility, but I wanted them to have also the authorities that were bestowed on me because of the decisions they made. So. Yeah, that's amazing, man. That's, that's very cool. That's I carry that with me every day. Like it's still something that I'm like, Always humble yourself with how fortunate you are for all the things that you have and, and, you know, and, and the people that have given you these kind of opportunities in your life. So that's, that's fantastic. Um, and again, it's a team sport, man. So treat people with respect and, um, and kindness. So sorry, dog. Nah, no, no worries. Um, you, you may want to keep that part like a, Dog running out could be very scary to <laughs> any person. So I apologize for stepping out for a second, but that is the privilege of being able to work at home. You have to yeah, like well, uh, that, watch for your it. dog at any given time. <laughs> exactly. Like I have to lock the cat in the bathroom. My baby's upstairs yelling now. She's home from work. Um, I'll, I'll share this story with you uh, because okay. I probably won't, you know, tell anyone. And it, it, this wrap, it wraps this whole episode up when I told you I almost died. Did yeah. I tell you about the panic attack? You didn't know that? Wait, I'm going to tell you mine after you tell me yours. Okay, so so the nicest thing anyone has ever ever did for me is pull me, save my life. This random man pulled me off the train tracks of that train and saved my life because I was in a pitch, you know, Adland. That's yeah, yeah, of course, stress. of course. And like you said, once you're in a certain team, you are the pitch guy. You're a sales guy, basically. Yep. Um, but I was breaking off an engagement at home with with my ex who lived with me, and oh wow. You know, you know, I'm a I'm a high or at the time I was a high performance athlete like bare knuckle yep. karate. Champion. I remember. You think you're invincible, but it doesn't work that way. If you have stress and no safe place, so work stress, home stress. At my first panic panic attack, 
And basically what that is, is your body just overloads. And for me, I faint. I, and so I fainted, fell headfirst into the train tracks, F train 2nd Avenue, knocked myself out, broke my leg, fucking left for dead, bro. And a random guy, and this is this is why I'm so thankful, in a world where everyone takes out their phone to record stuff, yeah. pulled yeah. me off the train tracks and saved my life. And that's why I'm here. Um, and I met my wife, who was my physical therapy because of it, and we have a baby. So life is good, but I feel like, because of my way of like kindness and all of that and spread love, I think I earned up enough karma to be saved by the universe, bro. Cause they're like, we're not, we're not done with you yet. And, um, and that's what happened. So it's pretty crazy. I, I see so much of the parallels in our lives. My version of that was, um, I was in the middle of a pitch. I was then at Dentsu mm-hmm. and we were up against gray. Um, actually I was at 360. I, that was the actual agency. Okay. Yeah. And we were battling it out, and they had like eight, uh, like ten teams working on this pitch, and we had one team. Of course. And this is a, and every night I was doing eighteen-hour days for like six weeks, and my teams like we just didn't get any support. Yeah. Just come up with ideas. Come up with ideas. Come up with ideas. Eating sushi and bad pizza, and and I was at can. So this was Canon. And I was at the Canon um, out in Long Island at their um, headquarters. And I'd just done our, like, it was like round seven. God. And I was like, I was, we were all kind of debriefing on the ideas. And I was starting to, like, feel a little woozy and like lightheaded. And I I get up and I'm like, guys, I'm just going to go take a walk. I'll be back. They're like, yeah. So I go sit and there's like a holding area. And I'm starting to feel my heart racing, Mm -hmm. racing. And I'm like, and the guards looking at me like, Rahul, you okay? And I know the guards at this point. I used to go yeah. to, like, we, Canon was a, uh, one of our clients. So it's not like these, I was new to, unfamiliar. Heart's racing. And, he, and I go, yeah, I'm not feeling very well. He goes, we have a doctor on staff here. Do you want me to go get him? I'm like, I think so. Now understand, every person, all my parents, my uncles, everyone's had a heart attack in their lives. Mm-hmm. My dad had his heart attack somewhere in his 40s. Can't remember when. I remember when I was a kid. And I was just cross, like approaching 40, I think. And I remember specifically, I thought I was having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, your heart rate is like out of control. You're like at 210, 220. Like, are you like, I'm going to call an ambulance. And I started crying because I thought I was having a heart attack. Yeah. And I'm like, are you numb? And I'm like, no, I just, I, I can't get my breath under me. Yeah. And so, and I'm in tears now. They had to, like, when you get the ambulance, you know, you're on a stretcher. They, there's yeah. no other way. They won't w- walk you out. Like, you can't walk. Yeah. So I'm embarrassed. I'm crying. Yeah. I'm in tears. And the guy, like, checked my fluids, and he goes, put two bags of IV in me, of just saline. You were so dehydrated that my body shut down. Yeah. And that was the moment I realized, never again. That was it for me. Yeah. Never again will I ever let my job put me in a hospital yeah and that was it like i was like it wasn't that i was done with advertising i was done with advertising i was done with the way advertising was treating me absolutely i honestly think this is the most important for everyone listening this is actually the most important topic that we've discussed because if this is the urban income show and we're talking about wealth Health, and you hear this all the time, health is wealth. It's absolutely true. If you got all this money in the world and you're not healthy and you're not happy and panic attacks are a state that, like, you're, it really takes its toll and it's that you, too much stress and there is a better way. And a lot of times people teach, and the culture of where you work sort of also pushes this, like advertising what the way when I was coming up in it, it was very much sleep under your desk, like, and there are yes. other hardcore environments like that. But just know that there's a different way. You can still be successful and not do that to your body because only thing it leads to is breakdown and panic attack. And if you're in the wrong scenario, like too close to the train tracks, and, and if you're a panic attack and you pass out, you're only human, bro. That's a wrap. So. No matter how tough you think you are, like it is not about, you're just a human being at the end of the day. So you said it perfectly, which is that it is a team sport, but remember you're one of the players. 
Exactly. Sometimes you've got to tap out. Sometimes you have to take yourself off the field or off the court because you may be the weakest link if you don't take care of yourself. So you've got to protect yourself too. Absolutely. And, um, and there's no dishonor in that, right? No. Like, there's, you know, you got to take care of yourself because if you don't take care of yourself, how do you take care of your family, you, you know, your friends and the team if you're trying to go win something? Um, this is amazing, Raul. I'm going to, we're going to leave it at that. So Raul, thank you so much for being here today. Thank, thank you, you so much. Everyone for tuning in um, to the Urban Income Show. I hope you found this episode informative and in inspiring. Please remember to subscribe to our channel and follow us on social media, and we'll see you on the next one. The Urban Income Show is powered by Growth Skills, an award-winning growth marketing firm. We help brands grow their awareness, website traffic, and revenue using things like search engine optimization and content marketing. We guarantee that we can grow your first page rankings on Google, so contact us at growthskills.co to increase your search engine rankings and revenue.